0: All right, what's up everybody? SOC analyst is all the rage and the SIM is a major tool in the arsenal of any security operations capability. To fully maximize the value of a SIM, a SIM engineer can come to the rescue. But what exactly does a SIM engineer do? Right? Is it a job in the field that's right for you? What's great about that role and more importantly, what's awful about that role? Well, I'm very excited to welcome the Simply Cyber live today. Stefan Waldvogel, a.k.a. Stefan Forrest, a.k.a. Stefan Stefan, Sim Engineer. Stefan's a friend of the Simply Cyber uh, community and really the cyber community at large. You're probably connected with him on LinkedIn at some point. We're going to be discussing a lot today and fully want to hear from you as well. As you can see, we have chat fully baked into the program. So ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Simply Cyber Live, bringing cybersecurity industry experts on to share best practices, tips, and their experiences with you. We're here every Thursday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us live or on replay. If you're coming from Jax's Outpost Grey stream, drop a hashtag Gray in chat to let us know. She's always doing great stuff over there. I'm your host, Gerald Ozier, and over the next hour, we're gonna be talking with Stefan Waldvogel about sim engineering. We love you engaging with the show, so chat away. And if you have a question for Stefan or myself, start it with a capital Q. It tells me that the question's for us and it makes it easier for me to find and chat since I'm not only the host of the show, but I'm also behind the scenes producing it in, in as best as I can. So, okay, now that we know that what we're doing in here today, let's speak with our distinguished guest, Stefan. All right, Stefan, man, how are you today?
1: fine i'm very fine i'm very excited to be here thank you so much i think it's the second or the third time i don't know <laughs> thank you it's definitely
0: it could be it's definitely the second time it, uh, you've definitely been here twice at least you came on uh as kind of an engineer tech demo range force guy mm. way back a million years ago when simply cyber live was didn't didn't even have a logo or anything we were just kind of making it up as we were going but lots changed since you were. Uh, <laughs> lots changed since then. You were unemployed, I'm pretty sure, uh, at that time. And now, as I led in on the intro, you are a sim engineer at Greylog. So, I guess tell us a little bit about about that and what you're doing, just to kind of set the stage for the show today.
1: OK, like I'm a sim engineer. That's my official title. But essentially, I'm more a sim content developer. So uh, what I'm doing is like I'm creating rules. Let's say there is something. And so I get alerts maybe. Or what I'm also doing is I'm uh, preparing logs. Because logs are usually coming in like as a bulk. And I have to split them in parts. So I can field mix. I make a uh, field searchable. Like I can, someone can pick up um, maybe. I source ip address and i so everyone can look for source ip address because usually that's not possible that's what i'm doing essentially and um, i play with um a a range force uh, not a range force as i cyber at home so there's a lot Mm -hmm. to do and it's very diverse essentially
0: so let me ask you that so as a sim engineer at gray log which is a sim company Based on what you were just saying, it sounds like you're doing kind of security operations work. So are you operating kind of in an MSSP model where you have multiple clients of live environments or are you working at Graylog to tune and come up with kind of canned um, indicators, if you will, or rules for the Greylog sim that end users can consume?
1: Yeah, I think it's more the second part. We have like a premium product. And people can buy this and then they get like a already dashboards are there. So I create the dashboards and they have like something out of the box and then they can fine tune it for their environment. That's, uh, I I give like the the start starting point and then they can fine tune it. That's idea. Maybe some alerts and they can fine tune it and some ideas. Yeah.
0: So Stefan, like since you're developing custom dashboards that, you know, many organizations can implement in their environment, do you bake in any Easter eggs? Do you have any... Uh, like, you know, uh, you know, hidden, hidden features, you, you know, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, AB select start. And like, it plays the Konami song or something. (laughs) No,
1: I'm not a programmer, (laughs) but my code is, was never seen by a customer. Usually that just, you see the nice UI and all of these things, but I don't do that. I work with Toml files and, uh, writing rules. So, um, I cannot implement, uh, e sorry.
0: <laughs> okay, no, 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 it's good. It's all good. Um, so, okay, um, what I want to know is when you were studying and working to get a job in the field, which we can dig into in a little bit, were you trying to become a sim engineer or were you looking more for a SOC analyst role and the sim engineer uh, role popped up? Because there is a obvious distinct difference between sim engineer and SOC analyst. Effectively, one is protecting an organization SOC analyst and sim engineer is helping people who protect organizations, if if my understanding's correct. Mm. So did you go for sim engineer or were you going SOC analyst and, and naturally the sim engineer was a fit for you? Um
1: it was a funny thing. So I arrived about three years ago in, in America and I had uh like my mentor, an English mentor said to me, ah, you should go into cybersecurity because I have the right background. That's what all what I know. So I researched a little bit. Okay, maybe a penetration tester was something good for me. I was looking interesting. Okay, I will try that. So I got my penetration testing certs. I did um, a lot of penetration stuff and then I realized, okay, the job market is not good for me because I don't have US citizenship. So then I went a little bit into the cloud area because it looked also great. And then I looked into the blue side and then I realized, okay, I learned now for two years and what's my really level. And I think I talked to you before and I showed what I did. And then you realized, I realized, okay, my level is far, far beyond what a SOC analyst essentially is doing. And then Mm -hmm. I applied for better jobs. Like I, I never really applied for jobs. But I look for better jobs, not entry level anymore. Because entry level, my level was so high that it was not a fit, and it's easier to join medium levels than entry level.
0: Yeah. Well, and one thing that you said um, early on, and I think you still feel this way, and it's going to come, it's going to come as an arrow to the heart for some of us, especially me, considering how I feel about cybersecurity. But you said, "quote." If I would do it again, I would have gotten to, into the cloud, not cybersecurity. So, while I while I pace myself and 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 do my breathing exercises, p- please comment, is that still an accurate statement or or, you know, now that you've been in cyber for a bit, you would you would do it different.
1: Mine, I really enjoy it, but 2 years ago or 3 years ago, I had no idea that I have to work 4000 hours to go into the field. It was just so much work. Like if you hmm. work, if a job, then you work maybe eight hours a day, and then you drop the pen and you are done. But if you're unemployed, then there was no break for me for two years. Like I took maybe two or three weekends off, and the rest was work, work, work. LinkedIn networking, setting up Discord channels, and doing something for the community. Everything to increase my visibility. There was so much work, and cloud is so much easier. There are seven times more jobs. So even so, I, uh, I, uh, it was my dream because with 18, wanted, I like install reds and stuff like that on my network at home. But it was so much work that I never expected it.
0: Yeah, you definitely put in the cycles, which which is why uh, you were basically uh, able to apply for level, level two jobs. Um, and fun fact, uh, Stefan and I were talking about this before we went live. Uh, some of you, many of you, are members of the Simply Cyber Discord community. But what you may not know is that uh, Stefan, he he actually created that server initially and invited me, uh, kicking and screaming, uh, to be on that server. And I just had a little channel on it. And then once he got his job, he actually uh, w- didn't need this, the Discord anymore and gave it to me. And then I added emojis all over the place and made it a Simply Cyber. But it started there. If he hadn't done it, uh, I don't know if we'd have a Discord community. I, I can't imagine simply Cyber without that Discord server. Now it's, it's really become a, a, a central kind of hub for all the activity.
1: Yeah, I mean it's all yeah, about just... helping. It's all about helping mm-hmm. each other. It's like I love to help other people, and I realized I don't need this channel anymore, and I cannot maintain it anymore. But I knew, like, for like a growing community, it was a perfect choice to give it to you. So like Gary has it now and that's really awesome. I think it was a, was the best choice what we
0: could have
1: done. Uh,
0: I, I, I've been, I've tried to maintain a good stewardship of it. So, uh, Stefan, let me ask you and for, for the greater community here, what what key skills that you learned? Because obviously you did a lot of pen testing stuff and, you know, some people could argue both for and against that being advantageous for Sim Engineer. What, what skills that you worked on and, and acquired were most beneficial for you to become a sim engineer.
1: <laughs> That's essentially a funny thing because right now I worked with regex and groc pattern a lot. And during these two years I barely touched it. Okay, I had an idea what it is. But now I think about like performance and milliseconds, nanoseconds, improvements, all of this stuff. But it was there's no course for this. So I knew what it is, but yeah. But what I got out of the last two years was like the big idea about the red and the blue side works. Because right now I'm setting up a cyber range. And so I have to understand how an attack works and I'll have to execute attacks. And then I have to be on the blue side to see, to collect the logs and do the forwarding, all of things to understand what is happening. And it's very very useful.
0: Now, is this the uh, Chris Long detection lab that you were referring to as far as the range you're building?
1: Yeah, Like, I'm taking this as a base, and then I insert Greylock in it so I can use it, but I, yeah, something like this, yeah.
0: Okay, so uh, Stefan just dropped this on me like five seconds before go live. He's like, oh, by the way, I'm just building my an entire home um, r- cyber range, if that's something you want to talk about. So let's spend a minute talking about this, because this this is a great tool that you can employ, whether you're... Employed as in cybersecurity or not, in order to get more skills and more experience and have resume bullets. So this, I'm going to drop a link in chat. But, um Stefan, why don't you talk to us about what Detection Lab is and how you're using it? And I can, and if you need me to drive on different screens, let me know.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, it's essentially it's like a vagrant script. So you start it with a command, and then it. It needs it needs about two hours, and then it installs an Active Directory, like with with two servers and a client, and you have a logging machine. And after two hours, you are done. These machines are already prepared with Elk Stack in it or Splunk, depending on what you pick, and it forwards the data. The so logs are already prepared, and now you can attack these machines, and they are all get locked. It's everything is already set up. It's really amazing to learn how this works. Like you see the other side. It's. I think I really love it.
0: Yeah, this is awesome. So the point of this Chris Long um, GitHub is to, it's the automatic creation of a lab environment with security tooling and logging best practices, which is fantastic. Because guys, if you don't know, one of the biggest pains in the butt around um, setting up home labs is all of the uh, like, you know, do you have the right version of this? Is it the right, uh, you know, is it Python two, Python three? Do do you have the right drivers? It, and it, it can be a real bear. And almost, if you hit too many impediments, you just lose interest, lose steam, lose time. And you know, this this is actually kind of the argument of why people do Docker containers is because it makes it wicked easy. I, and I don't know if this lab is using Docker, but part of the reason of Docker in general is because it, it abstracts that layer of a complexity completely out. So you don't have to worry about it anymore. So with this detection lab, um, this is what they're doing and it's wicked cool. So um, Stefan, like what, what kind of like system do you have to put this on? Are you building this on like a server at your house? Are you putting it in an AWS? What are you doing?
1: Um, there are multiple options. I run it via um, Box, I think. But you can use uh, Azure, AWS, or whatever you like to do. And mm-hmm. even, like, uh, Libvirt, anything. But it's, like, very flexible. But you need a BFE machine to run this. Like, I'm using a host VM with, like, 10 cores and 24 gigabyte of RAM or something, because there are four mm-hmm. machines in it, and you have to run the host as well.
0: Yeah, you can see here, guys. I'll do the best I can to zoom in, but hold on one second. This is, this is like under the hood of what the detection lab looks like. Um, you can see it's got four servers underneath the hood, or well, really three servers and one, um, you know, kind of client OS. But um, with a bunch of services, so kind of application servers running. Um, this is really cool. It's got like all of Suricata Zeeks in here. Um, you know, the full AD stack with the domain controller. Um, very, very, very cool. Um, and you said it's pretty it's pretty turnkey, right?
1: Yes, it's already pre-installed. You have to can log in, you get locks logs in everywhere. You can learn the tools like Pro Seek, like Pro sick, but you can learn it directly. It's already pre-installed. There's no pain to install, it's already there. That's really like very easy to learn. And it's free. You don't have to pay a single cent to get it. And okay, you have to. Maybe a beefy machine, but that's it.
0: Yeah. Well, and with the cloud options like AWS and Azure, you know, I would argue as long as you turn it off when you're done, um, you can, you could stand this up and play with it for less than it would have cost you for like, you know, um, a, a Netflix subscription for a month or something like that, right? Like, like 20, 30 bucks. And you could get all of this, get the resume bullet, get the experience and shut it down. And you know, there you go. So you don't, you don't need to invest $2,000 into some, you know, alien vault or, you know, alienware supercomputer with, you know, the next gen graphics card or whatever. I don't even know about that stuff with like a cool water cooler and, you know, led lights that glow when it reaches a certain temp and all that stuff. So you, you could totally do this. Um, now let me ask you this with this environment, when it builds itself, Are there, like, labs written the way that, like, uh, John Strand in Black Hills does it? Like, you know, like, here's a lab using this environment. Here's a lab using this environment.
1: I think it's true, but I didn't look into it because I have so much experience where I don't use it. But they are, like, Atomic Red Team in it, and you can click it, and then you can see how it starts. There are, like, 20 different ways to do it. I think there's Mm – I didn't use it right now, but uh, I think there are, like – Maybe not step by step, but you get the idea if you use, if you know how to use Atomic, then you can follow it. Yeah.
0: Here, I got a a request to move chat overlay so we could show this a little bit better. Have you, like, I'll just leave this here for a second so chat can soak it in. But, um, Stefan, as far as this environment goes, um, I know you have experience with many of these things, but like, so I see, for example, Velociraptor here, Mm -hmm. which you can use to like hunt for stuff. Uh, in the environment, which is cool. But does it come preloaded with like malicious activity in the environment? Like, you know, like this Windows 10 box has indicators of compromise and stuff on it? I think one of
1: these boxes has a running um, uh, Atomic Red Team on it. So it's kind of, you simulate the MITRE attack matrix, and then you can easily detect what is going on and everything gets forwarded out of, maybe you see it in Velociraptor, you see it in, I don't know what it is. what's What are you you
0: looking for? Velociraptors here, Apache, Guacamole, Collide, Fleet, and Splunk. Uh,
1: And other, like Suricata, Seek, and Collide, you can see this. Everything everything gets already forwarded to your sim. It's already pre-installed, so you can even see how different products detect this attack.
0: Yeah. My favorite part about all this, again, like I personally have tried setting up something like this and i always get mucked up on uh like getting the logs sent and getting them su- sucked into um elast not elastica search into um logstash and i like i have tried it twice and i've been unsuccessful twice on getting an elk stack up and running so like i personally am excited about this maybe a simply cyber produce video uh series coming up here um, on this particular topic.
1: Mine also, Security Onion is there, but Security Onion is very difficult to set up, and it's massive. It's even complicated for me. So this one is super easy compared to that.
0: Yeah, Security Onion is cool. That's Security Onion is like one of those perfect examples of an open source technology that you're like, why is there a company behind it? Like where, how do they make money? And then you realize that like, they're there to help you implement it if you have trouble implementing it and everybody, everybody has trouble implementing it, but it is wicked powerful. I will say that. So um, that was fun. Um, So talking about SIM engineering again, just to kind of pivot back and I've got some questions loaded up in chat. So thank you guys for that. What what do you like? What do you like most about being a sim engineer?
1: And essentially, it's freedom, because as a sim engineer, you work for, in my case, for a vendor. It doesn't have to be for a vendor. but In my case, I work for a vendor, so I work fully remote. Uh, my contract doesn't uh, recognize the country, work hours, or work days. Sometimes I work until ten, and sometimes I leave at one o'clock. Sometimes I work during the weekend. Sometimes I take a day off during the day. It's very relaxed. I really enjoy the people there. The community is great. And the work is also very diverse. So setting up a cyber range is one part. Setting up, writing rules is one stuff. It's so diverse. It's unbelievable. And every day I learn something new, it's really awesome.
0: You're probably... (laughs) It's just, I'm thinking of those memes where it's like, uh, it shows like an older person and it says like, you know, Jerry, 26 year old entry level, like talking about their first two years in cybersecurity, like, oh, this isn't so bad. And it says like, uh, Jerry, 26 years old. And it's like an elderly man. You just said like, oh, it's super cool. It's super relaxed. I can work when I want. Mm. Like, it's like, this sounds like a great job in the cybersecurity field. Now, without uh, assuming, let's assume your boss is watching. What, What don't you like about the job? Or what would you advise people to be, aware of in doing a sim engineer job i
1: think it's very difficult to um, stay current because like our product changes every day so i have to learn every day something new because our develop- developers changing the product constantly and i something works for today but it doesn't mean that works for tomorrow sometimes so it's just like it's very challenging to keep up so if you maybe go on a holiday after one week it could be you tr- you are behind so you have to keep up a lot so it's Yeah, that's maybe the biggest drawback because it's so fastly changing.
0: Yeah, well, you know, one of the best ways to stay current is to uh, consume, um, you know, threat intel daily. Maybe, you know, if if you knew of a daily cyber threat briefing um, that's live streamed every morning at 8 a.m. on, you know, on the Simply Cyber channel, like that could be a way to stay current. But yeah. As technology comes in and changes, and really, I would argue, as threat actors change their behaviors, um, that's the real thing, especially in sim engineering, because the consumers of the gray log platform are definitely depending on that sim, probably more than they should be depending on it. And not that it's a bad product or anything, I'm just saying, like, you a lot of people just put blind faith in security technology. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so you've you've got to stay current on IOCs and stuff like that. So uh, mm. totally cool. Um, so Carrie asked a question, and I'll 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 paraphrase it because it's a little long. But what 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 is what's something that you would recommend if someone's like, dude, this sounds awesome. I want to be a sim engineer. What what what's your kind of like three step process or your first three things, like your three action items for them to go off and do?
1: I mean. As is sense. since it's a question more target, how to get a sim engineer or
0: yeah, well, how, says, how does a, someone like me yeah. um, get into this? So I'm assuming mm-hmm. sim engineer.
1: Yeah. Like, I don't think there is a path right now, but a good idea. would be, um, learn, learn the basics about how network works. Like, because you have to understand everything is going over the network. So TCP, uh, UDP and all of this basic stuff. So you can understand what is going on because you are getting these locks. And the next step would be maybe uh, um, learn Windows event logs because most customers will use Windows, so mm-hmm. it's kind of a it's not a very popular skill to learn because you essentially learn logs and log numbers and behaviors how what happens if someone logs in. It's, as example, if someone logs into a Linux machine, then there are like I think over twenty events are created. And some are even failed, even though it's it's successful. It's kind of very weird to learn these things, but it's not necessary yeah. if you find a good company. Then yeah, someone will.
0: T- Windows t- logs t- are very t- noisy, t- like mm. to a fault noisy. But yeah. that's why Sysmon is. I mean, not Sysmon. Um, yeah, Sysmon. It, yeah, that's what, I'm I'm getting confused between Syslog <laughs> and Sysmon. But yeah, that's why Sysmon's pretty cool. That's why Zeek is pretty cool. Um, but. I wanted. Would it be appropriate right now to bring in that um, PDF that you sent me, and particularly what sim should I learn
1: for yeah, this particular question?
0: Yeah, we can do that. So, yeah. Stefan, obviously the ever prepared and you know consummate professional has prepared a 16 slide deck just in case we have to talk about it. And uh, you know, to your question, Carrie, uh, I feel like this this slide really does kind of answer that. So do you want to talk, is this the slide you want? Yeah, we can
1: talk about this one. So essentially, if you are going into a sim engineer role, it doesn't really matter what you learn. I mean, if you want aim the highest salary, I would go for Splunk. But the certs are super expensive. I think the basics start with $100, but the other one are $2,000 and way more. So, But if you use something free like um, Elastic or Graylog, they are very similar because Graylog is based on Elastic or War is kind of based off, so they are very sim- simple and it's always the same. You write rules, there's no difference. Maybe some are in the cloud like Sumo Logic, but the idea behind it is always the same. And if you look into top descriptions, um, it's always decide they write maybe Sentinel, a, a like Exa Beam or something, and similar. There's no specific set like you need this one because it's transferable.
0: Yeah, Sims are Sims. Uh, there's a couple nuances to you know each one, but for the most part, I would say like what, 90% is transferable.
1: Yeah, like maybe Sentinel is a specific, a little bit special because you can take the Azure course for free. I think it's SC200 right now with the Cloud Challenge. You can take the cert mm-hmm. for free, and you can get learn this one from Microsoft. I think it's it's an awesome stuff. So it's free essentially, and you can understand how it works, and you can. Yeah, there are many, many ways to learn it for free.
0: Yeah, and you bring up an interesting point in this graphic right here. Like I personally have been trying to use a little bit of Azure. I know Josh McAdor, uh, who's another YouTube content creator in cybersecurity, he actually has a wicked awesome video on basically how to create a honeypot in Azure and then feed the logs into Sentinel <laughs> to see the honeypot working. And uh, I thought that was a really nice little lab to get your fingers uh dirty uh your hands dirty whatever you want to say um playing with this technology but but i agree with you 100 percent uh no i would argue it well okay so gray is gray but just for a hot second i would argue based on my experience and what i see splunk okay this has nothing to do with gray this is purely my thoughts and not the reflection of Stefan or log or anything like that okay so here's my thought. Splunk is an, is almost prohibitively expensive. And what ends up happening is it's like free for the tech or cheap for the tech and you pay for the logs and the storage of the logs and then you pay by data size. And what ends up happening is what Steven just said like the lo- there's so noisy, there's so many logs and people just want to like collect everything and then they'll figure out later on what to look for and what to do. there's no grooming and, and, and pairing of the logs in an intelligent way, it's literally just like accept all, which obviously means that what you're storing is huge and that's what you're paying for in Splunk. So anyways, long story short, Splunk is very expensive, okay? But they have a huge market share mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to move off Splunk. They, they, it's it's a long story, but it's, it's called ver- vendor lock-in and in the, it happens with all the vendors and it's really tricky. But what I want to point out here is, Sentinel is the built-in Azure feature. Lots of businesses are moving to Azure and Office 365. And right now, it's not really financially. You don't get like a lot of benefit financially from engaging in Sentinel. It's much more the fact that your logs are already enriched and curated. And the the, the pushing of the logs piece of it is really done for you already because it's one ecosystem. But if you are learning Sentinel, at some point, Sentinel is going to, you could see it says cloud growing fast. At some point, Sentinel's market share is gonna continue moving left on this graphic. Um, so just for, for someone who's thinking like, oh, I wanna be a sim engineer like in two years or really more of a SOC analyst working in the, in the SecOps capability, I would argue that if you spend the time now to learn Sentinel in 12 months when you're Sentinel super savvy, um, you'll be able to find work because they're gonna start looking for those roles that that's just my take on it. Um, but that's, that's my thought. And you can see obviously gray logs down here and they're doing wonderful things. Um, open source, um, and, and people like Stefan are making cool dashboards and cool, um, filters and, in the type of thing that you can leverage without Easter eggs, obviously. Um, but, but anyways, that's, that's my thought, my two cents on, on, uh, the, the SIM market and, and that type of thing. But, Like you said, one-third of jobs in cybersecurity require SIM knowledge. This is interesting because when I first read this orange callout at the bottom, I thought it was one-third of SecOps jobs require SIM knowledge. This is all jobs in cybersecurity.
1: I checked it on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is not very accurate with these things, but I was looking, comparing cybersecurity and, and SIM. So I used like Mm -hmm. some Boolean search and I realized, okay, one third, they have something with a SIM in it. And I was like, okay, so that's like essentially a big part. Even if you don't work, can work as a SIM engineer, maybe there's something else, but it's close to it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think by the way, we're getting, we're getting a lot of love here for your, uh, for your graphics, by the way, a lot of people (laughs) A lot of people uh, saying how much they love your graphics. Or, you know, Jax, she loves her some stuff. And yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I think just letting you know that there's a lot of love out there.
1: Yeah, I think the next picture with the sim roles, I think that sees a wide range of possible jobs. This one. This one? Yeah, it's a very wide range you can do with a sim. Sim engineer is not the only job. It's just one in between, between developer and operative roles. But you can do a lot with them. If you, if you learn Zim, you can be even like a support engineer because many companies look for a support engineer, but we get few applicants because people that don't have these roles on a the focus, they don't study for it. And they're usually vendor-specific. So if you want to work for Splunk and make a lot of money, you can learn it and then you can apply for such a role and you start with a very high salary because very few people are aiming for it.
0: Yeah, and I would also argue... Again, this is anecdotal uh, research. There is a growing market of managed security operations, right? So like Expel, Arctic Wolf, those are some of the bigger players in the game. Microsoft just announced like two weeks ago that they're going to be offering, they're calling it XDR, but basically they're offering SecOps services if you're in Azure 0 0365. See the comment I just made a few minutes ago about Azure Sentinel. Um so there are a lot of managed SecOps uh, businesses growing. That market's growing huge. I worked at a, a mid, small mid-size $750 million manufacturing company. And like literally, there is a, there is a massive wasteland between small business that doesn't need SecOps because they have like 10 people and large enterprise that can afford an in-house security operations capability. There is a chasm. That is massive in between there. And the managed SecOps capability is the is the solution because of the how much it costs versus what it would cost to build it in-house. So uh, all that a long way to say to Stefan's point here, like this is definitely a hot area to learn and to be good at, because if you can run around in a sim and find stuff, you're going to be very valuable to employers. So, let me let me get rid of this graphic here. Let's bring in some more questions. We're we're all over the place. If you have questions, drop them in chat. Obviously, uh, for us, um, we've got you know, Stefan's obviously awesome. Um, so Bob Bob had mentioned this wasn't a question, but I wanted your thoughts on it. He came across a position on sim configuration. Are you have are you familiar with this? Is this a a, a way to uh, also say sim engineer, or is this something totally different?
1: That's interesting. Like America doesn't have a standardized word or a title system. So companies can name it whatever I want to do. Like I'm a sim engineer, but essentially I'm a sim content developer. Um, Mm -hmm. If someone calls it sim configuration, then it's sim configuration. So, But essentially what you're then doing is like, is you're fine tuning your sim and adjust it for the needs of a company. So you have to understand the product, what they might use. And Mm -hmm. maybe, yeah. Yeah, but it's maybe something not very common, so maybe very few applicants for this job. So maybe it's something easy to get into.
0: Yeah. Either way, it, to the point of one-third of all jobs in cybersecurity involves SIM, uh, you know, this position obviously is going to require SIM. So whether you're configuring one for businesses or you're developing um, for, a, you know, like a large company, typically I, I would say large financial services companies will have really custom roles, right? So like they might have a SIM configuration engineer role, right? Like they can invest so heavily in having, instead of having jack of all trades, they have masters of one. So it could be it could be a SIM configuration role, very specific. We also see um, another term that I've heard that could be what this means, Bob, Bob, it's detection engineer. You, you've heard this one, right, Seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah, detection yeah. engineer. And that's basically someone who's making custom SIM r- rules um, based on multiple events, right? So like to, to use a classic one, right? Like Mimikatz. So like you you chain together several things. So like this happens, and then LSS pops, and then a service does process Halloween into a, into a running uh, service. And then it, it runs and, and dumps the the SAM, right? If, if these things happen in this order, it's Mimikatz. And then that becomes a, a packaged rule that goes up into a sim. That's what a detection engineer does. And that role is definitely someone who needs to stay on top, uh, like almost operating on the dark web to figure out what the heck's going on so they can they can stay that current. But that might be what the sim configuration role is. Are you doing custom custom uh, detection engineering or anything like yeah. that? Yes, yeah. Oh, like so not... you probably could give a better example than that no, messy this was one very I just good. gave.
1: <laughs> it was very good, but I'm not like, the, the, like directly but we have customers and they ask us and then we fine tune it to our customer sometimes. Yeah, we do that.
0: Okay. I like it. Um, K- Karan asks, you know, he completed his postgrad in cyber. Should he go for any certifications for Sim? What are your mm-hmm. thoughts around that?
1: Mine, I know like right now, even like Microsoft has the sc 200 and it's even free right now. You can take it if you are got cloud. You can take this blank certification. Um, But I don't know if people are really looking for it. So you can just do the course for free and you can take it. It's not so expensive if you want. But usually I don't think companies really have. Like some vendors like Sumo Logic, they have, uh, if you do the trial, the inside is a learning path. So you can do it and you can learn it there. And you can write it on your resume or write a post about it or something like that. And you can show your skills and then, oh, this one person really did something. And then you have it.
0: Yeah. It, it's um, So it's interesting because one of the tricky things with SIM certifications is they're almost always vendor specific, right? So you're certified in Splunk, you're certified in Graylog, Even though, as we said, 90% of the lessons learned are transferable, when you are applying for a job that says, you know, must have two years of Greylog experience, and you're certified to the neck in Splunk, you may not get through HR, like the keywords don't map up. So it is a little tricky on where you choose to spend those cycles. I I would argue um, around certification. I, I would argue doing things like range force and getting those badges around SOC analyst battle path or blue team labs online. Like it's not necessarily a certification, but in my opinion, the current state of the industry is rewarding practical experience uh, and being able to drop you into a sim and know what you're doing versus being certified in a particular platform.
1: If you talk about that, maybe one very good platform is uh, Let's Defend. They, have mm-hmm. like, they simulate like a kind of a SOC environment. It's kind of realistic. I think it's one of the best things what I know. So it's really cool. Because they have like a sim running, kind of a sim running, not a real sim, but you understand it like a workbook and you follow the guide. What you're doing in a real world, it's, I think it's the most kind of realistic thing to do.
0: Yeah, I actually I have played with Let's Defend. Um, I mean, it's literally like you're a soccer analyst. Like, there's hold on, I'm trying to log into it right now. Mm-hmm. It's um, like there's a ticket, there's ticketing, there's this. It's legit. Hold on, I'm gonna pull it up right now and we'll look at it because we're having we're having fun. Here we go here let me, let me get rid of chat real quick, b- blow this up. Let me get rid of this uh, message. So you can see this is let's defend. And you can see I have zero percent on all these things because I, I did a couple I did a couple things. I, I don't know if it's changed at all, Stefan, but like I found it a little a- awkward to understand if I was doing this right? Like th- I did this SSH scan activity challenge, and you can see here's here are the different uh, tickets in the, in the SOC analyst queue. Right. And I, I, I did some of these and you know, here's, here's the telemetry and the, and what you would, what you would see, you can get a hint. It's very cool. Log management, case management, endpoint security, but you can see, I tried to close an alert. It didn't work for me. I wrote up some stuff. Um, you can see here, this is the one I was trying to do. Yeah. But in the
1: past, yeah, in the past, it was like kind of complicated because there was no solution. Um, but there's some, there's like a solution area somewhere, and you mm-hmm. can click it and you can understand what's the meaning behind of it. I even I wrote two of them because I analyzed two of them and give like special hints and how why they are doing this one with background knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't look f- further into it because I did this over a year ago. There was, but uh, yeah, they changed because now you can like go back and. Finds a real solution for this. In the past, it was not there.
0: Yeah, I love it. You can see this is the the one I I closed. You can. I'm like embarrassed to admit that um, if you look at when I was doing this work, Valentine's Day at 11:17 p.m. So I think my wife and I went out to dinner and had a nice evening, and then she went to bed, and then I I went on <laughs> Let's Defend and started doing cybersecurity work. What a nerd! Oh, what a nerd. But, anyways, this is a really cool uh, platform uh, to dig into. So, let'sdefend.io is here. I'll put it in chat so you can see it. Let'sdefend.io. Okay, cool. Thanks for that. Uh, pro tip seven. Let's see. Let's do it. Let's keep. Let's keep the questions going. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this is a great question for from Jose. When you engineer a sim, do you lean on the red or blue side when you design it? Like when you're thinking, when you're thinking of making your you know, engineering d- moves, basically. Hmm. Like, what mindset are you in?
1: Usually I create the wanted locks. Let's say I, I create um, an attack or, and then I analyze the lock. So I have to do essentially both. I have to know both sides to do this job. That's because if I only see the blue side, then I cannot do attack it. So I don't. I have to know both sides essentially, at least a little bit, for the basic. Maybe even a log in, or I have to create a log out, and I have to maybe modify Windows so I get the right locks. Because mm-hmm. Windows is complicated. Windows usually doesn't give a lot locks, so you have to change the settings.
0: Yeah. Okay, uh, Jax asks. I, I know you had answered earlier about what's what's awful about being a sim engineer. Uh, can you talk specifically about dealing with stakeholders?
1: I don't work with stakeholders <laughs> because, oh. like, I'm I'm a small person in in the group. We have our managers, and the managers are between uh, our customers and me. So they take out all of the. They tell me what I have to do essentially, but I don't usually. I don't usually don't talk to a customer unless something very technical specific. And then I sometimes I got pulled into a call. Um, I, they called stakeholders I like but I like my managers and everything like what we have so I don't have a problem with them
0: <laughs> Yeah actually can you can you tell us See I know it, it seems like a loaded question because if you did not like your company you would not say that on a public uh live stream but can you kind of talk about what your thoughts are as Greylog as an employer if you want to like you've told me privately and I think it might be valuable to this group yeah
1: like i personally love to work for this company i think most vendors have something like this but you are like i'm at graylock i have a lot of freedom i can work whenever i want where i want and even the contract doesn't even mention the country so i can't even go to germany and work there for a while and then visit my parents and i go back to america and work there there's so much freedom if you work for such a company and my bosses are also cool so we have a lot of fun. If we have Zoom, we laugh a lot. And it's like, it's awesome to work for cybersecurity and for a vendor, I think. It's one of the best things what I ever did in my life. I didn't expect it, it's so cool.
0: That is awesome. Sly wants to know, what, what's the value of being able to reverse engineer for entry-level blue, blue team?
1: I essentially cannot do reverse engineering. I dig a little bit into it so I know how to use the tools, but it's not something what I usually do. We have like engineers, they train me because I know very little compared to them, but reverse engineering is nothing what I usually touch.
0: Yeah. And I would say for entry level, no, uh, you wouldn't need to do that. I, I would say if you're a smaller shop, like you're, you know, like you're, matrix so you're it but you do infosec or if you're like a one two person uh infosec shop you're not really going to do reverse engineering what's going to end up happening is if you get a a foreign artifact on your network you're going to drop it into like an Run or an integer and let it tell you what it is and then you're going to decide whether or not you need to do any more work or if you're just going to delete it wipe the machine and move on like the, the reality is, at least in my experience, which it's it's I've got some, um, reverse engineering is a lot of fun, but in a practical business corporate cybersecurity program, there isn't a lot of time for it because y- y- you could spend 10 hours reversing something, which is wicked fun, but a bunch of other stuff is coming in and you've got, you know, Alerts to attend to, uh, meetings to go to, planning budgets, uh, you know, you know, performance reviews, all these, all these other things that have to happen. And reversing isn't even if you understand exactly what it does, it doesn't change what your, your response will be from what it was if you just drop it in in, in an integer or an any dot run because you're probably going to look for that file to see if it's anywhere else in your environment in the sim, right? And then you're going to clean that asset that was infected and then you're going to move on. It doesn't matter if it was like some zero day leap piece of code or if it was commodity malware. So that's my thoughts on that. I will say that reversing is, is, is quite important and you see it quite a bit in security research, which is not a SOC role. It's a completely different role. Um, but that's where reversing really, uh, shines if you will. Um, Ronaldo wants to know or Renzen. I'm sorry, Renzen wants to know. Do you collab with SOC Prime and make your Greylog queries convertible into Sigma rules? Great question.
1: Um I don't I never heard the word SOC Prime, but I know um, Oh really? Using, oh, I'm yeah. gonna bring it up.
0: It's cool. It's cool.
1: <laughs> so much to learn. Um But we work with Toml files, and the Toml files, let's say from Elastic, they are public for miter attacks so you can even look at them so we don't use them we, we, we try to create our own because there's a licensing stuff with that but if you are work for a sim engineer in your company then you can look at them maybe you can implement them and they are on the github so it's not a problem to, uh, to implement or find them
0: yeah here let me let me show you sock prime now i haven't used sock prime myself but my understanding is sock prime is, and please people in chat uh, who have used it, let me know. But, you know, Sigma rules allow you to kind of make it uh, a detection ingestible into different systems. It's kind of like the Rosetta Stone. My understanding is that SOC Prime um, is almost like a central hub where you can, you can push Sigma rules there. And then you can, you can basically get, economies of scale by having a centralized repository for those Sigma rules, instead of having to go to GitHub and pull them or, you know, ISAC sharing and stuff like that. Right. Um, yeah. Sock prime is a transformer, right? <laughs> Carrie. All right. So that's definitely cool. Let, let's keep on um, with the questions. Cause you guys are dropping good ones. Um, Solomon wants to know what's, what's your one, you know, one year, one plus year intake on work after looking for work for some time in the past. What do you advise for nailing down on that recruitment hurdle? So this is more about um, getting the job.
1: Yeah. was kind of interesting. If I look back, I applied only for less than five jobs in America. It sounds very weird because usually people apply for hundreds of hundreds of jobs. And I think even our job had like 250 or 200 applicants, but I did all with networking. So Networking is so powerful and you don't deal with um, ghosting all of this stuff because recruiters usually don't work for entry level. Um, If you talk to people and you build like relationships, like I helped Gary for a long time and talked to him for a long time. So people come to you to offer you jobs. Like I had even like a real job offer for a VP position, but uh, it didn't work out. But it's like I never applied for such roles but you have visibility maybe a personal brand and you help people then people help you and i got into graylock because i helped someone with helping a resume writing and how to get a job and this person got a job at Greylock and wanted me as a co-worker that's how i got into Graylog.
0: yes it's so true and that is like literally why we say you know do the networking get involved com- contribute to the community And I I actually had a call with um, like a mentoring call earlier today with someone and, and you know, they were asking me like, what should I do? Kind of all those standard first questions. And you know, I said, well, whatever you do, like get involved, um, contribute to the community, do not network looking for a job, right? Mm -hmm. Like people will smell that. And it'll be obvious that you're, you're self-serving. You're not, you're not trying to be part of the community you're trying to just take without giving. And, you know, and you can't, you, when you're contributing, when you're engaging, when you're being part of the community, in my opinion, the best analogy I have is like, you're sprinkling seeds. And when you sprinkle seeds, not all of them grow. Some of them never pop through the dirt. Some of them come up and they're all kind of gimpy. Some of them, you know, grow and bloom into beautiful flowers. And that's, that's what it is. It's not like you can say, if I do this one thing, like if I help this one person with this resume, that one person will go on and get a job somewhere and pull me with them, right? but maybe you maybe you helped well, you've helped a lot of people, Stefan, but like mm-hmm. you know, you helped that one person and did not expect a job in reciprocation, but because they engaged with you, because they knew what kind of person you were and how good you were, they were your inside track into that job at Graylog. Um, so it's it's a great story, and it's so true about why networking is so important. I, the job you have, was it? You said it was. Pop, it was posted, right?
1: Yes. Um,
0: okay. A lot of jobs don't get posted. They just <laughs> they're like, oh, I got a guy. You know. So, um, another question that we have. Um, I can't find it in the chat. I don't. I don't know if your uh, your your uh, if she knows that she's on on stream right now. But um, another question that came up, Stefan, that I can't find in chat. But the question effectively was. And this is another one that you may not want to answer, but like, where do you go from here? So you're a sim engineer, and you work for two years as a sim engineer. What what can you grow into? Like, what does that roles growth career growth look like? Mm.
1: Like we at Greylock, we have something pretty much unique. We get the uh, automated salary increase every year, so I don't have to beg anything. So they look at me and realize, okay, how much is this people worth? And then they look. Uh, into the market and give me a great salary. So I don't have to move because of a salary Um, and I think- um,
0: I want to work at Craylog. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. So please continue.
1: (laughs) And uh, we have like higher level jobs. Maybe I can get like a new title, but the funny thing is I applied for a security analyst position. But as soon as I under- wrote my thing, it was already a sim engineer. And the difference is massive because the salary difference between a sim engineer and t- between a standard SOC analyst is huge. So even mm-hmm. this small present was already hundreds of thousands of dollars in worth. And they just gave it for me for free and on my first day. And it's like, yeah. And I'm sure if I worked out for five years, then I might get it promoted to an architect level or something like that. And with a matching salary, so I don't have to switch.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it helps when you like your company quite a bit, but I think you hit the nail on the head. That architect would probably be kind of the next tier. Like, you know, you could be sim engineer two, sim engineer three, um, managing teams of sim engineers. But I really think that next major ladder rung that would be make sense would be security architect, a very technical role, um, doing full sim deployments. You know, or security operation standups, right? Um, you know which you which you almost almost did, right? Um, way back a million years ago. but um, okay, so let's let's keep talking uh, or going through this. Can you, okay, so Arjun asked a question, and I think this is a great question if you if you can, I know it's gonna be difficult to kind of cram this into a short response. But what is like a day in the life of a sim engineer?
1: In my case, I'm a sim developer. So it depends on where and what what task I have. But right now I have a task to create a cyber range. So what I do is like first I have to find out how to create the best cyber range and what's the best for my company and all of this stuff. And then I have to attack the cyber range to create maybe alerting rules because my focus right now is I should create alerting rules. low no hanging fruits, easy ones for the beginning. And later I dig into maybe more advanced ones. So that's my one day what I did today.
0: Okay, that sounds pretty good. So get to work on projects and uh, don't deal with stakeholders. No, I like it. <laughs> I love it. So um, I just want to call out Bob, Bob, um, who's, who's ripping on me, saying that um, Greylog would want someone who actually works, whereas I just play video games and talk mm-hmm. about uh, fertilizing <laughs> seeds. So thank you, Bob, Bob. Um, another question that came up. So this is kind of a throwback, really quick. If you have a second to answer it, to mm-hmm. the uh, detection lab GitHub, um, Carrie asked, "Can it run on Linux?"
1: Yes, like on Win- Windows, Linux, and I think even an Apple machines.
0: Everything. Oh, perfect. Okay. Now um, another question came in from CFCV with a two-year uh, associates in CS and no security plus, will this help to get into SIM? So I think the question really here is, somebody who's got an associate's degree, no certs, uh, is that maybe good enough or enough for them to get a SIM role? I am trying to you know, figure out if that's the question. But what do you think? I think it's, um, it depends on the
1: company. But in my case, I think it would be enough because like our seniors and architects, they train us a lot. And I applied essentially for a real, real entry level role. The requirements were like, I don't know, zero to one to two years, or if without experience, just have the passion for it. And it was written on the job description. So, yes, it is enough if you apply for the right company and you see it before, like you talk to the hiring manager before, or you know someone in the company, so you are on the focus on these people. Because if not, then there are maybe 200 people and then you have to be one of the best. So try to get the job before it gets published.
0: Yeah, that's the key. It's easier to compete against only people who have inside tracks than it is against the market. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Uh, Baruch asks, if you were to give yourself kind of six months, right? Let's say he's got six months to, to burn on self-development. How would you develop a cloud monitoring security skill? That's a great question.
1: Yeah. I mean, first I would look into your local job market and see, okay, what's this? what does the city look like? Maybe there are Azure jobs more, then maybe more AWS jobs, or maybe more Google Cloud jobs. And then you can see, okay, maybe I have, maybe 70% is AWS, then you go for AWS. And then you um, look into the AWS platform and there's a free learning stuff. Everything is free and then you can just learn it. Or oh, for Azure, I think the path is SC200 or SC500 or something like that. Yeah. Everything is free, yeah.
0: Yeah, the weird thing about Azure is they <laughs> they have their numbering that goes down. So like SC900 is the entry-level mm. education and then SC500 is the, like, you know, the SysP, the, the, the architect rebel one. So it, it, it's kind of, inverted of what you might think it is. But uh, yeah, I definitely would. I would definitely pick a platform. Azure is what I would strongly encourage. And then all the tech, all the education is free if the certs aren't free. But my argument would be don't take the exams for the anything until you get to the SC 500. Um, And I would put on your resume that you've done all that training because really people care if you know what it is, not whether or not you paid money to Microsoft to get certified.
1: Yeah, but it's essentially free right now because there's a cloud on Azure. It's a cloud challenge right now and sometimes it's Microsoft Ignite. So you never have to pay for Microsoft. There's always a way to get it for free.
0: I didn't know that. That's free right now? Mm-hmm.
1: There's a cloud channels right cloud, cloud channel. Cloud
0: challenge. <laughs> I might have to do that um, just because um, I, I really, I wish. Okay, so this is just a quick little soapbox thing it it annoys me how difficult microsoft makes their pricing for their add-on pieces right so office 365 is really easy to understand it's like it's 5 bucks or it's 10 bucks or it's 20 bucks per person like like right, it's very easy how many people times this number when you start adding on things like sentinel or defender for endpoint or you know Intune or you know mobile device management, it, it gets really, really muddy really quickly. Like I wanna stand up Sentinel and play, but I, I can't figure out how expensive it is. And like I know you could set it up and, and and get the lessons for like 20, 30 bucks, like we talked about earlier, but I want it as a permanent lab and I'm confused if I spin up a ton of things, if it's gonna, you know, explode uh my my budget. So anyways. That's, that's one comment for Microsoft. Please fix your pricing. Make it easier. Yeah. look We'll get a little spicy for a flip out there. That yeah, introvert, Candace knows. She, she called that spicy coming out. I, I just saw that. Um, I saw a question come through here that said question for Stefan here. Wes has a question for you. With all the hype around Splunk Curator and other big SIM names, what makes Greylog become, to, to become a SIM engineer to focus on?
1: Um, I think it's the best thing is it's open source or kind of open source. So you can spin it up and it's like, it's, you can, We have around 50,000 customers around the world. So because smaller companies, they don't have some money to pay millions for Splunk, but they can use Greylog for free. And sometimes, um, they get bigger and bigger and then they upgrade it to the professional one. But for most people, Greylog is fine. Like if it's a small company or you have something there and then you can work for as a SIM engineer for this, like. Yeah, And maybe it's easier to get those dropped because they are not so highly visible, I would say.
0: Perfect. Sorry, I, was, I just created a poll for the YouTube audience on whether or not they like the chat in stream or not. I'm trying to decide. It's perfect for the morning threat briefings, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of experimenting with the long-form Thursday interviews and wanted to get the, their thoughts on that. Um, we've got a question here around it, posting the link for the free cloud challenge um, it, it can you specify exactly what it is Stefan and then someone in chat please google it or you know in and share
1: I think it's called Microsoft cloud challenge but I have to look it up so if it's uh...
0: well here while you're looking it up um, hmm. I will pull the next question or drop some sound effects and and do that so let me let me I'll pull up a question and ask here so Lee Lin's asking, associate... By the way, I think that's a Final Fantasy VII cloud um, avatar. If it is, very cool. Uh, associate degree in cybersecurity, A+, Network+, plus, Sec+, Linux+, plus. running the gambit, one-year help desk experience. Will it get me to a SIM job? So, uh, Lee, the, the one thing I would advise you to do... Like, this is a great, great start. If you came to me... <sighs> Here's the thing. It depends on how competitive the other candidates are. You could probably get trained up on SIM, but, and you obviously have the network background, you have the security background, which are the two things. Okay. And, but I would, I would say, do some of these let's defend.io or range force uh, SOC battle path, right? Like do some of these practical hands-on labs and add that to your resume. And I think that's the final piece that you need in order to be like a knock knockout candidate, and do you want to add anything to that, Stevan?
1: Uh, I found out it's only for the Azure developer, but I think the Microsoft website is very complicated, so I have to find
0: more. <laughs> oh, you're still doing okay. All right, so you're not ready fun- to answer that question. I
1: dropped one link, but they have so many.
0: Oh, that's okay. Oh, it looks like Josh Mason dropped one in chat. So mm-hmm. let me let me go to there. Uh, here, oh, I see it. That is perfect. I can't. All right, I can't click on it. Uh, Josh, will you drop that in Discord, please? Uh, on mod chat. All right. Okay, cool. Let me see another question. Well, here. Josh- let me let me ask you this, because um, we're gonna get the URL in a second, so you don't have to worry about that anymore, Stephen. So, what would you do differently? on your path to get in and, and I mean you did so many things right <laughs> but <laughs> what what would you do differently is there anything that you you know you, you wasted time on or didn't deliver the value that you expected it would
1: man I did a not not enough research like I joined um, this career path and realized okay I, how did I want to join cybersecurity and I respected very fast way like most people do right now and um, mm-hmm. I did would the, a lot deeper, and I would ask real people in the field and ask them how much, how long it takes. Because like most people have a uh, feeling, okay, I, I have now my security plus, and there's my ADK job, but it doesn't work like that, sadly, because there are not enough jobs. Essentially, so challenging, and uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, it really, it really is. Um, we could see here. Um, this is the link that Josh dropped in chat, which I'll drop again real quick. Microsoft Build Cloud Skills Challenge, May 2022. Complete one challenge and earn a free Microsoft certification exam. There's eight total challenges to choose from, so there should be one for you there. And it looks like it'll run through June 21st. It doesn't start until May 24th, guys, which is not until next week. So you... uh, Oh, Josh is in private chat. Nice, Josh. Um, So be mindful of that. Also, um, Kimberly McKnight, our very own... Uh, Simply Cyber community member and Cybersecurity Central member uh, said she builds AWS is running a similar mm-hmm. um, program right now. So here I'll drop a link in chat. This is probably not the link to the AWS one. Uh, so be mindful. Follow that link with caution. Cause I didn't do any, I didn't do any analysis. It might be some business that's selling, Um, boot camps or something. So be careful with that. Okay. We want to be mindful, right? All right. I can't believe, so honestly, I can't believe an hour just flew by. We're at one hour and five minutes, Stefan. So pretty bananas how quickly (laughs) that went. And I uh, apologize for keeping you longer than what I asked you for.
1: I have time so we can't even ex- extend it for a couple of more questions if you have so no problem yeah we can do a
0: couple <laughs> more questions I, I I'm on I'm on the uh, I'm on the clock for throwing baseballs at my son uh, oh. in the in the yard but we got we got time for a few more questions let's let's keep let's dig in guys drop your questions in chat and I will get them to our guest of honor one Stefan Waldvogel. Vogel. all right let me see this one? Like Greylog, you work on helping to build better sim rules. Do you work mostly in the L2, L3 support, like regex, extractors, pipelines, and so on? Like, go, go one level deeper on what you're doing, Seven.
1: Yes, usually I work with regex, extractors, and pipelines. Um, right now, not because I'm creating rules, but if I don't, if I do something else, then I usually work with regex, and I'm tuning these rules, like they are like a million nanoseconds improvements are important because if there are millions of logs coming in, then a nanosecond might make a difference. So that's, that's maybe the most difficult thing of it is speed tuning. Yeah.
0: Yes, I agreed. Agreed. Nothing is worse than drift uh, or when when, you're, when your timestamps on your logs aren't in the same, you know, they, they have different times, right? It's so difficult to aggregate logs. I, I guess that's not really your problem. That's the SOC analyst's problem. Yeah, but so. I have to solve it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Ali says uh, cloud jobs are seven times cybersecurity jobs. Can you please ask him to elaborate more on the cloud jobs versus cybersecurity jobs? Okay, Stefan, can you elaborate cloud jobs yes. versus cybersecurity jobs?
1: Like, um, if you go on LinkedIn and you can just type in cloud and you click on jobs and you type in cybersecurity and click on jobs, you see a massive difference, and you also see a difference in terms of what the requirements are for. Don't use the field entry-level, but if you look for real entry-level roles, there are very, very few in cybersecurity, and it's very hard to get them. In in cloud, here in Austin, people even give you training because they are so, so desperate, and people don't apply for it. And cloud is also cybersecurity, but people don't realize it. So it's kind of a double win if you work for cloud security. Yes, why not? All right. I IAM is also cybersecurity, but people don't realize it, sadly. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> yeah. Identity and access management is a new burgeoning, well, it's not new, but it's it's getting the focus that it really warrants where it's its own discipline. Um, and and I'll shamelessly admit that I'm I, I kind of hide, I mean, I get very passionate about access, but I don't want to engineer I like to me, it's fringe cybersecurity. Like actually architecting an identity and access management solution across a large enterprise where it integrates with other parties and stuff like that. And AD and federated authentication. I know it's part of it, but in my world of what I want to do in cyber, that is, um, this is terrible, but it's an IT function. It's an infrastructure function and they take my requirements of what I need for identity and access and they implement it. But it, but it is, very related to cybersecurity that's another hot area um by the way not not for me but for, for others is. yeah okay we got a couple more questions i want to give a shout out to i haven't even read the whole message yet but Fra- fraud dog is in interview 3 or 4 i'd like to give a compliment that whoever is interviewing him told him there would be four interviews nothing nothing gets me more outraged than this like N number of interviews where you have no idea if it's like one interview, two interviews, ten interviews, fifty interviews. Is it a panel? Like I hate that crap. Like why can't we just it, even four interviews is pushing my button a little bit, but it just whatever. This company, Logarithm, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he started GRC. Oh, he actually has a question. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Is GRC a possible route into sim engineer role?
1: Yes, definitely. Like our sim, we have we are focusing into grc2 because we have to generate reports and i'm most likely logarithm is doing the same so it is very related to that yes
0: absolutely what uh let's do lightning round by the way i I just gotta say normally you you've got me very relaxed uh stefan because normally (laughs) i'm very professional on the thursday live streams and i've had two flip outs and a spicy sound bite so um you've disarmed me (laughs) (laughs) What set of non-technical skills would you suggest for cloud?
1: Oh, I think that's for everyone It's like, have a great personality, but it's a non-technical skill. Soft skills are super important in any job, I think. And it's sometimes more important than technical skills. Because if you don't know, you ask someone, if someone is willing to help you. So you can always solve a problem, even though you don't know how to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I would argue, uh, Baruch, communication, and and that's a skill that you can actively work on. You can study how to be better at communicating. If you're talking nerd to the business, they're going to tune you out. If you're talking um, like, you know, very very high in the sky, high level to the engineer people, they're going to tune you out. If you're talking wicked granular in a planning meeting, people are going to tune you out. You need to be able to speak not only to the right audience, but at the right level in order to be effective for people to like, see you and hear you and take what you're saying as like direction, right? I it, it's it, I, I probably need to really think about, I need to be better at communicating in order to effectively say this. But my point is you can develop and earn a lot of political capital, like the way people see you, the way that they'll, they'll buy into your plan or whatever, if you're speaking and communicating effectively, it's the right audience, it's the right level, it's the right length, right? If you just belabor like the way I am with this answer, you might lose people. So that's that's a definitely a, a non-tech skill that you might want to dig in. Um, all right, so Stefan, let's 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 kind of wrap. Let, for anyone that uh, wants to connect with you, uh, I know you're a very social butterfly. What, um, how's your people get with you?
1: Yeah, trust on LinkedIn, it's the easiest way. I think, uh, maybe I can drop the link there. That's how easy it is.
0: So he is, hold on, let me, he's Stefan Wa- Wald Vogel on LinkedIn. Since I mean, steps, nobody knows, Steph-
1: I think Stefan dash W A, I think that's not here, but
0: here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it up so people can yeah, see yeah. you. What. What? <laughs> it's not coming up, man. What's up with that? I copied that. Uh, that's here. Are we? Did you? Hold on. Did you disconnect from me? Are we not connected? No. Is this how I find connected.
1: out? Yeah, I connect. I dropped that's in the cold, private man. chat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so connect with uh, Stefan on LinkedIn. This is what his account looks like. Um, definitely a good guy. Tons. Why, why can't I zoom in? Jesus oh wow tons of value um you can see here in his activity he's got all these like crazy cool infographics one of his cool crazy infographics is how i met stefan i i he had one Mm -hmm. of these things and i reached out to him and said hey can i use this for one of my videos and then we like high five and um you know bro hugged and then now we're besties so um (laughs) definitely definitely a good time um if you want, hit, uh, ex- I'll, I'll type it in, exclamation point Discord. Uh, this will take you to the Simply Cyber Discord community. But Stefan is in there uh, operating and being a general all-around great resource and mentor for the community. So, you know, I genuinely appreciate that. I know the the um, the community also enjoys that. So I see people using the new Oprah emote as well. If you are a squad member, I, I added Oprah as an emote. <laughs> later today um, based on feedback from this morning's threat briefing. Any final thoughts for everybody, Stefan, before we say goodbye?
1: Um, just don't give up. So if you do try to something maybe very complicated, surround yourself with friends and just do it. Don't complain. Just uh, find a new ways to get it. Get it. If something does not work, that's maybe. Just yeah, do it. I love it. Let's do it.
0: Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, I want to thank You, our our wonderful guest, uh, Stefan Walvogel, for sharing his knowledge and experience. And thank you to each of you in chat for your engagement and presence, asking great questions, delivering value to each other, uh, answering the the poll on whether or not to have chat in here. Uh, Be sure to catch live cybersecurity threat briefings every weekday morning. This is what it looks like. Every weekday morning at 8 a.m., we're in there. A lot of people who are in chat right now are in there. So if this is your first live stream that you're catching and you enjoyed kind of the, the, the engagement and the communication, it's happening every morning uh, at 8 a.m. We do uh, these live streams on Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Thursday. Uh, so go to simplycyber.io slash streams, simplycyber.io slash streams, which I'll, I'll put in chat right now so people can see that. And uh, that'll give you all of the upcoming live streams that we're doing. You've been watching Simply Cyber Live. Good night and thanks everyone. Have a good one.